0: So this is the power of it, where 1031, you have to buy something now in a seller's market. So thinking about the 08 crash, Sean, you know, playing the money morning quarterback, what would you have done? You would have sold everything in 06 and 07 and waited for everything to crash. And you would have sat on the sidelines in the Deferred Sales Trust and Conservative Bonds when the marketplace went down, you know, 30, 40, 50% in real estate and bought everything at a discount. In fact, we've had clients do that, exactly that. They sold a property in 06, move it to the trust, put it in conservative instruments. So even when the stock market crashed too, they didn't go down much. You know, they they weren't making much in the meantime, but they didn't go down much. And then the same property that he had sold, got Mm -hmm. foreclosed on five years after he sold it, he went back to the bank and partnered with his trust, all tax deferred the whole time, and purchased this property at 60 cents on the dollar. So it's the best of both worlds, that's the key here. You can sell high and buy whenever you want to.
1: This is the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan, where we interview local real estate investors and professionals to go over tips, tricks, and investing strategies to help you learn about the business and to enable you to achieve your financial goals. And now, welcome to the show. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. Today, we have Brett Swartz. Brett is with Capital Gains Tax Solutions, and today, he'll be telling us everything we need to know about the Deferred Sales Trust. A Deferred Sales Trust is an alternative to the 1031 Exchange and helps you keep more money working for you. There's a lot that we go over in this episode, so be sure to listen to the end to learn everything. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe to the show and leave a review. We release episodes every Wednesday and Sunday and release the show notes on our site, EverythingREI.com. Enjoy. So, Brett, thank you so much for being on the show today. Go
0: ahead and introduce yourself and let us know who you are and what do you do. Hey, thanks, Sean, for having me. Yeah, my name is Brett Swartz. I'm with uh, Capital Gains Tax Solutions. I'm also a commercial real estate broker by trade. I started Marcus & Millichap in 2006, and now I have another company called uh, Commercial Realty Apartment Advisors. Um, You know, I, I live here in Sacramento, originally from the Bay Area, Mission San Jose, Fremont. Um, and, and kind of grew up uh, uh, both places with my dad building custom homes in the Mission Hills and then go into high school out here in, in Rockland, California. My wife and I now have uh, we have five kids and uh, we are you know full-time parents, right? Uh, with that many kids, of course. And, uh, and yeah, and I educate people on tax deferral strategies, in particular the deferred sales trust and the differences with that um, versus the 1031 exchange. And Delaware statutory trust. Um, So that's a little bit of the background.
1: That's very exciting, and congratulations!
0: Five kids, I'm sure, is not very easy. It's probably one of the biggest feats. Yeah, we've been able to accomplish. Uh, So yeah, absolutely. It's uh, I call it 100% work, 100% joy, especially when they're real young. All right. So today, I guess your main specialty is
1: in the deferred sales trust. Do you mind quickly going over what is a 1031 exchange? What is let's say even a Delaware sales trust? And then you can talk about what the deferred sales trust is, and what the difference is and pros and cons between each of them.
0: Sure, yeah, what are the differences and what are the pros and cons of each of them? Yeah, so uh, the 1031 exchange is probably the most commonly used and known uh, tax referral strategy for selling commercial real estate and buying commercial real estate. And when I say commercial, I just mean investment real estate because it cannot be a primary home. And so uh, 1031 exchange, what you do is you, 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 you you buy a property, you can add some value and you can take some depreciation and you get what's called a basis and that basis will determine if you were to sell, how much capital gains tax you might have. But instead of paying that tax, if you follow the 1031 rules and you you execute and you buy something of equal or greater value within 180 days of closing the the first property, then you defer the tax and you can continue to build your wealth. And so that's actually the beginning of my career with, with helping people buy and sell investment real estate. And I still do 1031 exchanges too, by the way. We, really, we, we call ourselves capital gains tax solutions because we provide all the options and just see which one best fits a client based upon what they need. So the 1031 is like kind for like kind real estate, investment real estate. Um, it's also um, uh, restrictive too in that if you don't buy again within 180 days and don't identify properties within 45 days, basically you're disqualified from using the structure. So there's some limitations to it that make it challenging um, the other thing that, that is the biggest challenge with, with the 1031 exchange is the fact that you have to uh, buy in the same market that you're, that you're selling in. So uh, most people like to you know sell high and buy low, but the challenge with the 1031 is you're often selling high, and then 180 days later, you're buying higher. And that's what we've seen, especially those last few years in the marketplace. Now, I want to jump into the Deferred Sales Trust. The Deferred Sales Trust is, a, is an, an installment sale. It's a manufactured installment sale, and your, sell, your, your, your owners may or your listeners may know it as, as a seller carry back. And so if I were to go to you, Sean, and say, hey, Sean, I want to buy your property for, for, for $5 million. If I give you a million dollar down payment, would you carry a note for four? And if you carry that note for four, that's called a seller carry back. you would only owe tax on that $1 million. And the $4 million is what's called a tax deferral state. And so uh, the key here is the Deferred Sales Trust is just that and we just actually have it jump in between you and the buyer and we buy your position for $5 million, and we sell it for $5 million to million to the buyer who's lined up and since you haven't taken any actual receipt of the funds, you're in what's called a tax deferral state. So. It is a bit of a complex uh, thing to think about, especially for the first time your listeners are listening about it. But just think of it as an installment sale. But the key thing is here, you don't have to put it in like-kind real estate. Sean, you can actually divest of your commercial real estate or your business or your high-end primary home. And it doesn't have to go into equal or greater value. Um, You can put it into stocks, bonds, mutual funds of your choosing. Um, And also you don't have to replace any of the debt. We like to call it the debt-free Dave Ramsey plan for your commercial real estate or business. And so it gives some more flexibility that the 1031 just does not. Uh, the last one we have is what's called the Delaware Statutory Trust. And Delaware Statutory Trust sometimes gets confused with the Deferred Sales Trust because they're both DSTs on, on, the, on the letters. But a Delaware is just a 1031 exchange into a, a group of properties. And so it's kind of like a tenant in common. There's like a big corporation that owns, let's say uh, two or three or four properties at a time. And they allow people to 1031 into those properties and take an interest of ownership. Um, You give up some control. You give up all the control. Typically, they're seven to 10 years, non-liquid assets and pretty high fees and returns are around 5%. I've done a number of of Delaware's as well as, you know, 1031s and Deferred Sales Trust. So the question we always say is, what are you looking for? What are you trying to accomplish? And what might be a good fit for you? Uh, the Deferred Sales Trust, too, by the way, is a backup plan for a failed 1031. So your listeners who are listening to this, you don't necessarily have to just pick one. You can pick one, two, or three. We've done deals like that um, where you know a third of it goes into a deferred sales trust, a third is into a 1031, and a third is into a Delaware. So it's, it's customizable and flexible for that, too.
1: Perfect. Thank you for your very elaborate answer. Uh, I, have, I have quite a few follow-up questions. I guess the first one is, let's talk about the failed 1031 exchange. How is that possible? How are you able to do a deferred sales trust after you have a failed 1031? Because you're supposed to do
0: all that before you close escrow. Mm-hmm, correct, so understand when the tax is due is the first concept, which is called constructive or actual receipt. So in a failed 1031 exchange, Sean, the exchange company sends you the funds and then you've received the funds and that's when the IRS deems that the taxes are due. Um, but as long as the funds are stating with the 1031 company or a separate entity like a Deferred Sales Trust, you haven't received actual funds. So what we do with, the, with our 1031 companies that we work with is on day 46 or day 181, or somewhere between those dates, we just have the QI company send the funds to the trust and setting them to Sean, and, it, uh, and that's the key. If Sean's received zero funds, the tax is not due. If the trust takes his position, and, and, and he buy you know, let's just say it's a, it's a $5 million deal, buys your position for $5 million and sells it to the cash buyer who's lined up for $5 million. And this situation is just sending you the funds with the QI company. It hasn't taken any constructive receipt, or even it has, but it's, it's bought and sold for the same price. So the key is what is the gain and how much have you received? And if Sean has received zero, then Sean owes zero at this time. In the meantime, it's invested and it's earning an interest rate. And that's probably more complex than it needed to be. Really all, the simple answer is just send the funds to the trust. So they can either send the funds to Sean and he owes the tax or send it to the trust and you don't owe the tax. So that's the short answer of that. I mean, that makes sense. Basically, I was confused about why aren't you triggering that
1: tax? And that makes sense. If you didn't get the money yet, you don't get taxed. Correct. Okay, so I'm gonna go through a little scenario to kind of explain, I guess, to our listeners what's actually going on because I'm sure everyone gets confused. Before I do that though, I want to clarify something. Are we doing a double closing in this situation because you technically have like a two three parties involved?
0: That's a good way to look at it. Yes, it's a assignment of contract, right? And it's like a simultaneous close. So it close, close closes like so all all at once you know um, or, or right after each other. We call it a New York minute. So the trust position is going to say, look, Sean, I'm gonna buy it from you with the understanding that I'm immediately selling to that cash buyer you have lined up over there. And you're saying the same thing. you're saying, Mr. Trust, I'm only gonna sell it to you if you sell it to that cash buyer right over there. And if you put it into these investments that you've already decided beforehand, how and where you want the funds invested. So you become the credit tour and it's customized to your own risk tolerance, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, or commercial real estate syndications, which is really my passion about starting this business at any time um you could have your own deal that you partner with your trust or you can send it to multiple syndication deals at any time and we would say today is not a good time to buy a property because prices are so high you could find one but maybe you find one tomorrow day 181 or five years in the meantime you can keep your powder dry on the sidelines and conservative bonds conservative uh diversified portfolio of stocks mutual funds uh you know insurance products fixed instruments of your choosing And then when the deal comes, you can direct up to 80% of the funds. So I'll pause there again uh, to see what uh, what questions you have.
1: Okay. Now let's go back to the double close situation. Are you paying, I guess, the Astral company to do a double close for you? Or is it just like a one-time thing and it's all sorted out?
0: Yeah, it's not any more expensive than... There's no no additional expense to the seller or the buyer. We work with Orange Coast Title for a lot of these actually out of um, Cupertino um just not too far from milpitas where you're at i've used them before yeah exactly so there yeah so we'd like to and we can work with any escrow company really but we like to work with those who have done these before so it's as smooth of a transaction as as it can be but as far as your listeners are concerned it's not going to be any more expensive because you do this um in regards to escrow fees of course there's our trustee fees and there's the there's the there's a law firm fees that are associated with it but uh, no additional charge And it's just, it's really just processing paperwork. And uh, with the way Orange Coast Title says it, it's a lot like when they do a 1031 exchange. There's a few pieces of extra paperwork, a few extra signatures to do. But as far as the seller and buyer are concerned, um, especially the buyer, it makes no difference to the buyer. And the seller is gonna sign a few more documents and escrow is gonna process it uh, to the trust.
1: Perfect. And as a seller, when you get the money, are you allowed to just get it in cash or do you have to put it somewhere else? So it's
0: your money, Sean, or your clients, you know, whoever's going to do the deal. The question is, um, how and where do you want the funds invested based upon your risk tolerance? So yeah, you could just put it in money market accounts and not have it earn any interest. The challenge with that would be you're going to start incurring the fees and it's going to eat away at the principal balance, which is then going to um, uh, not be efficient for you. you know? So most of our clients will choose a risk tolerance somewhere between 5 and 8%. And these are over a ten-year period of time. Diversified it with some of the top companies in the U.S., and that's at least going to cover, um, you know, more than cover the fees if you do that number. But technically, yes, you could park it for a period of time and just put it in, in, and just you know, money market. You know, but, but we would say, look, there's some stuff that's that's better than that that uh, you don't have a lot of risk uh, that at least give you three to five percent. But really, that's between you and your financial advisor to figure out what you're comfortable right. with. My role is just the trustee that oversees this and and uh, makes sure the structure stays intact. And when you get the balance, is it
1: like 93.5% of the sale price? What is that balance you get? Mm-mm.
0: No, so 100% of the funds go into the go into the deferred sales trust if you want to remain 100% tax deferred, okay? Yep. So not to be confused with other structures that are out there that give you cash up front. Um, so this, this one would be, uh, let's say you wanted a note interest payment of eight percent, okay? And let's say the trust earned ten. Well, you would receive eight percent, you know, um, on on a, on a and you pay ordinary income on that income. But uh, uh, I'll give you a live deal. This is probably the best way for your listeners. I, I had a gentleman just two weeks ago. He sold a one point eight million dollar apartment complex in Sacramento. Uh, he owed five hundred thousand. He paid off the paid off the cash, paid off the debt, and put one point three into the trust. His note was structured with an eight percent. Um, payment. He's going to actually receive about six to six and a half percent to leave the rest of it building. On that six percent that he's receiving, he's going to pay ordinary income on that. On the rest of it, it's deferred. How much did he defer? He's deferred about $500,000. So instead of having uh, basically $800,000, he has 1.3 in the trust. So he's living off the full amount of the trust. So the question becomes, are you receiving the cash? Yes. How much well, it's off the interest, okay? Pay ordinary income on that. If you dip into the principal, you're gonna pay a proportionate capital gains tax on that amount, which you can do too. You can dip into the principal whenever you want.
1: Got it. So I guess my question is, what are your fees? Because I guess we're talking about a different structure than the one that I was familiar with.
0: There's three sets of fees. The first set of fees to so the tax attorney, and it's 1.5% on the first million, and then 1.25% on anything above that. Um, and so let's just say like on this deal that we just talked about, it was, a, it was a $1.8 million deal. So it was 1.5 on the first million and 1.25 on the remaining 800,000. That's a one-time fee to the tax attorneys that covers legal and audit defense. Um, by the way, when, whenever you're looking at a new structure, a new strategy, there's some questions you should ask. How do we know it's legal? What's the track record? What are the fees? All of those things. So along these lines of fees, the track record is over 2,000 closes and 14 no-change IRS audits. And we've closed businesses, commercial real estate, primary homes. Um, the other question you should ask is, um, you know, what happens if I do get audited? Which, which it could happen. Then, then the audit defense kicks in. Um, so, but going back to the rest of the fees, the trustee fee is about 50 basis points, which is a half of 1%. And that's recurring every year at close of escrow, and then every year... Uh, on the trust the uh, total trust um, uh, proceeds in this case it was 1.3 million to so be 50 basis points on that as long as it's just with the financial advisor if for some reason you want to direct it to an outside deal like a commercial real estate deal you can do that with up to 80 percent of the funds in that case it would be a one percent on that on whatever amount goes out um And then the other fee would be to the financial advisor, whatever he charges you. Sometimes he charges you 50 basis points to a point, depending on where and how the funds are invested. So again, most of our notes will earn 8%. After fees, they net the client 6.5%.
1: Okay, perfect. That answered a lot of my questions. And yes, we are talking about a different structure than the one I was used to. So thank you for clarifying that. By the way, the 80% of the funds, is that kind of to protect your client in case they go all in on a deal and lose
0: all their money and then now 30 years later they owe this huge tax bill they can't pay exactly so we don't want the structure to fail and just to be just to be um clear so this is this is not a monetized installment sale this is a deferred sales trust so the monetize is a 30 year plan ours goes uh for as long as you want so they're in 10 year increments but the end of 10 years you can renew for 10 years and then renew for another 10 years and then renew for another 10 years. So we are, we're not them, we're, we're, we're separate from them. We both use IRC 453, which is installment sale, which goes back to the 1920s, but we are completely separate from them. You can also pass it on to your kids too, they can inherit your position. But yeah, they don't want the trust, they being, you know, the tax attorneys who created the structure and, and then the other founder of, of this Deferred Sales Trust Strategy with the estate planning team, they don't want um, uh, the structures to not be able to pay out. So we don't want to take on too much risk and not be able to pay back the note holder on either in any one particular deal. And, and then also you need to have liquidity to pay the note as well along the way because that's, that's really what's happening. You are becoming the bank and you are owed that money. So we need to keep that reserve in there so that we can make sure we service the note.
1: Perfect. And thanks for clarifying that too because yes, I was thinking about the monetized installment sale. I'm sure you know you're in the industry.
0: Yeah, no, it's a great, it's, it's commonly, you know, we, 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 we compete in a lot of, uh, with them uh, quite a bit, um, and so it comes up quite a bit, so yeah, no worries. Okay, so again,
1: we're going to do some small uh, explanation here using three different figures. We'll call them A, B, and C, okay? A is your buyer who is going to buy your property with whatever funds they have, whether it be cash, or maybe they're 1031, doesn't matter, right? The buyer can be anybody, any Joe Schmoll that has money. Then you have you guys, which is the trust, we'll call them B. Trust is just this middle person who is going to handle the transaction on both sides. Then you have C, which is the seller, which is, let's say, us. So the seller sells their property, and they don't want to pay a huge capital gains tax right there on the on the spot when they sell it. And they also don't want to do 1031 exchanges for whatever reason. So what they do is they sell the property, but they contact you guys first. You guys are involved. When they sell the property, effectively what happens at escrow is the trust buys the property from the seller, first and the seller which is us sells it at a deferred state does a seller carryback that you do a carryback just me and you at the trust of the carryback uh-huh. exactly because you don't get you don't get taxed unless until you actually get the money you got it the principal balance mm-hmm. exactly so if you defer the money right if you mm-hmm. say i want this spread out over 30 years or so or however however long it is then i don't get charged capital gains until that actually gets in my bank account So meanwhile, this trust then sells to the buyer and between them two, it's like an instantaneous, they sell it instantly. Mm -hmm. The buyer pays the money, the trust receives the money. Mm -hmm. And now the trust has this pool of funds. Uh, Whatever the sell price is minus whatever debt the seller owed. right? And that is the money that you guys are working with. And you start investing it into stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, maybe making 8%, 6% a year and uh, subtract all the fees supposedly this pool of money should be growing every year. Mm-hmm. And it's not until the seller actually takes the money out, that's when they start paying the taxes. So the seller can decide to leave it in the trust or pull it out and pay taxes. Is that basically it?
0: Yes, exactly right. And you can direct it to commercial real estate, right whenever you want. So this is the power of it, where at 1031 you have to buy something now in a seller's market. So thinking about the 08 crash, Sean, what, you know, playing the money morning quarterback, what would you have done? You would have sold everything in 06 and 07 and waited for everything to crash. And you would have sat on the sidelines in the Deferred Sales Trust and conservative bonds when the marketplace went down by 60, uh, you know, 30, 40, 50% in real estate and bought everything at a discount. In fact, we've had clients do that, exactly that. They sold a property in 06, move it to the trust, put it in conservative instruments. So even when the stock market crashed too, they didn't go down much. You know, they, they, they didn't they weren't making much in the meantime, but they didn't go down much. And then, the same property that he had sold got foreclosed on. Got foreclosed on five years after he sold it. He went back to the bank and partnered with his trust, all tax-deferred the whole time, and purchased this property at 60 cents on the dollar. So, it's the best of both worlds. That's the key here. You can sell high and buy whenever you want to. And the bigger picture to look at is the demographic, Sean. There's about 17 trillion dollars according to the American Bankers Association that will pass from one generation to the next in the next 20 years. And this is known as the largest wealth transfer in the history of the world. In fact, there's 10,000 baby boomers every day in the U.S. who turn 65 years old. There's about 77 million baby boomers in the U.S. alone. And so what they're faced with is these highly, highly appreciated assets, whether it be commercial real estate, primary homes, collectibles, uh, businesses, and they've made their wealth for 30, 40, 50 years. They've worked really hard. These are our parents, Sean, right? And they go, you know what? I wanna be done with the toilets, the trash, the liability. I wanna retire from my, I mean, my dental practice, being a veterinarian, whatever it may be. And I wanna have a passive income stream that's diversified and that's liquid. And I, and I wanna enjoy my wealth, but they don't know how to get out without getting hammered by the 30 to 50% of their gain being wiped out by the capital gains tax and the depreciation recapture. So they literally feel trapped. They feel trapped, and in particular, in, the, in our backyard here in the Silicon Valley, some people bought houses in Fremont for $200,000 30 years ago, and now they're worth $2.8 million. And they can't even afford the rent down the street. All of the rents have gone so high, they're on a fixed income, and they look at their 250 exclusion or even their 500 exclusion on the primary home, and they just go forget it. I'm not going to pay you know $700,000 in tax. I'm just going to stay in my house. So we literally give them freedom from capital gains tax, the ability to sell their house, get a diversified income stream, move wherever they want, fund their kids' college education, you know, fund their health concerns, their health needs, all without having to go into debt. And and also so they can create and preserve more wealth. So so that's at the heart of what we're about. And really, we we want to focus on the the client, but also the business professional who's out there um, trying to help their clients out when they go to sell as well.
1: Nice. So when you do this strategy, like you mentioned before, are you allowed to decide how much you want to put in the sellers trust? Hmm?
0: Yeah, it's okay. to, to all your money. So if, if it's a ten million dollar sale, you could put eight million in there. Now on that two million you take, you're going to pay capital gains tax on, that's okay. You know, you, you, just not, you may not need all 10 million right now, or even the site's called a million dollars. You don't need all a million right now, maybe you only need 200,000 right now. Um, so it's your money, just realize whenever you receive principal balance, you're gonna pay a proportional rate of capital gains tax on that amount that you receive. Right, but
1: I mean, like you said, if you service your debt again, or you get your $500,000 tax free, then you don't necessarily need to put all the money into the Deferred Sales Trust.
0: Good question. Can you use both the 121 exclusion and the Deferred Sales Trust at the same time? The answer is, unfortunately, no. Oh, um, no. I know, right? So you kind of got to pick your, your horse. And we there's a technical reason for that. But essentially, um, we've worked through that with the, with the tax attorneys. By the way, I'm not a tax attorney nor CPA. I'm a commercial real estate broker by trade. I like to say I'm just the nurse, Sean. And I take your pulse and take your vitals and say, you know, this thing might work for you. But before you get surgery, check with the brain surgeons and bring in your brain surgeons who your CPAs and you know, trusted advisors and make sure it's, you're all, the, the structure is blessed before you move forward. That being said, this has come up multiple times. We're like, well, how about I just take my 500 exclusion? We're like, sorry, that wouldn't work. You're still going to pay taxes on that amount. So you kind of got pick your horse, which one you're going to go with. So this is just a technicality
1: in, I guess, the tax law that says you can't, do your 121 exclusion as well as your tax deferred. Yes. I see. Uh, hmm, it's interesting. So I mean, I guess this works really well for investment properties and not, maybe not necessarily for a uh, primary residence.
0: Well, let me give you two primary residents where it, it just goes through the roof. So we did a deal, $26 million deal in Newport Beach on the ocean. The couple owed $6 million in capital gains tax beyond their exclusion. Okay, they lived there two of the last five years. It did not qualify for a 1031. They needed to sell today. Okay, they didn't want to rent it out for two years and wait and then try to do a 1031. They just, they needed to sell like right now. So they deferred $6 million in capital gains tax. So the question is how big is that capital gains tax? But you're right, if the, if the number is only, you know, uh, a $500,000 gain or no problem, just, just, you know, we tell people all the time, just go, you know, just pay, no worries, you're good to go. I, we're doing a live deal right now in Palo Alto. The gentleman, uh, it's an over $10 million home that he's selling. And he goes, Brett. I feel cash, I feel uh, real estate rich and cash flow poor. All of my wealth is tied into this property that I built 13 years ago for six million dollars. And when I sell, he has a small exclusion of 250, but above that, he owes two million in capital gains tax. So for him, it's like 250 is, is small beans compared to that two million. So we're going to look at every situation a little a little different, and we're going to just do the numbers. The neat part is we have a calculator online. You can just go to our calculator, enter in your information what'd you buy for, what are you you considering selling for, how much depreciation have you received, and then let's do the side-by-side comparison. But the Deferred Sales Trust, number one, works best for high-end primary homes that are highly appreciated, number two is businesses, and then number three would be commercial real estate, and it also works for collectibles as well.
1: It's cool to hear that. Man, 26 million on Newport Beach, huh? Six million dollar capital gains, 500K, who
0: cares, right? (laughs) Exactly, exactly. That's pretty cool, I want that. Yeah, (laughs) you know. Yeah, it's so why, right? So you can give more away, right? So you can help more people pursue their passions, right? So they can be, they can live and give more, right? That's, that's the goal behind all of this. Versus giving it to the government and it's gone forever. Both sides were wasted away so quick, right? To pay down that 22 trillion dollars. So we literally wanna provide freedom from capital gains tax, that's what we're all about. Awesome, awesome. I was curious
1: though, so it seems like even if you decide to go with you guys and uh, create a deferred sales trust, At the end of the day, you still have to keep 20% of that inside the trust. When can
0: you ever get the 20% back? So remember, that 20% is hopefully earning about 6%, right, after fees, 6.5% after fees, and you're living off of that, so that's your income stream. Um, You can sell out of commercial real estate syndications and get the LTV, basically the LTV needs to maintain 20%. So if you're in non-liquid assets, let's say 80% is in commercial real estate, you would need to sell a portion of those and move them back into the trust, and then cash out up until 80%. Now, if you move all of it back into the trust, you can cash out of all of it, right, and pay the tax tomorrow, next year, you know, five years from now. It's, it's your money. You decide how and when you wanna receive it and pay the tax. But honestly, John, most of our clients like to pay the taxes second day to never. Meaning, they're just gonna keep it deferred every 10 years, they renew for 10 years, renew for 10 years, and keep this going and pass it on to their kids. Because again, once you pay the tax, it's gone forever. Why pay it? Uh, but it is flexible and you can receive it and, and pay the tax. I see. And if, when you
1: pass away and you give it to your kids, is there any kind of step up in tax basis? I'm not really sure how this works since you already sold the property.
0: Correct. Great, great insight. And that is the one downside to the Deferred Sales Trust. It does not maintain the stepped up basis. So one of the advantages to the 1031 is it maintains a stepped up basis. Now, that being said, the recent Trump tax plan, they talked about taking away or limiting the stepped up basis, taking away or limiting the 1031 exchange, right? These are serious, serious things because they're faced with this $22 trillion. So we always advise, look, that is something to consider. And If you have some serious health things, health conditions going on, and you feel like death can be in the short, short time period, then consider not doing anything and maintaining that stepped up basis. Uh, but if you're in good health and you want to retire, don't just not sell because you think the stepped-up basis is going to be here because it may or may not be, you know. And you could just hold on and, and not really achieve what you want to achieve, which is uh, time travel, liquidity, diversification. And you may be foregoing an ill-timed sale, even with the stepped-up basis. Your kids, maybe the marketplace has dropped, you know. When they sell it, you know they, they can't sell it for as high. So yes, that is true, but be cautious to to put all your eggs in that stepped-up basis basket. Gotcha
1: and when you renew are there any other renewal fees no, no you just continue no. for 10 more years it's exactly. just kind of saying yes i want to continue for 10 more years
0: exactly yep you, you have just the annual recurring fee from the trustee and the financial advisor right um but yep. the original law firm fees are already gone cool gotcha i think we talked already about the pros and the cons right are there any
1: other like downsides that people don't really foresee when they go through it you know
0: uh no that's the biggest thing is people just say this sounds too good to be true why haven't I heard about it? And I know it seems like it's too good to be true. I know it seems like you would have heard about it. I know it seems like your CPA would have told you about this. But honestly, until they talk to us and get educated, they just don't know. We now have, though, over 1,100 professionals over, over, um, across all of, all of the United States. Uh, CPAs, tax attorneys, financial advisors, realtors, commercial real estate agents, 1031 QI companies. We've had national law firms review this structure. And we just say, hey, get to know us. Uh, bring your trusted advisor on, get educated, because at a certain point, your listeners didn't know about the 1031 exchange, and somebody told them about it, and all of a sudden, they said, oh, what's that? Oh, it, does it really work? And then they said, oh, it does work, and they got comfortable with it. It's like riding the bike, right? The first time you ride the bike, it's a little bit awkward, but as you ride the bike, you get more and more comfortable, but as we compare ourselves to the 1031, we have a longer tax law um, that has, goes back to the 1920s, and then we have a 23 year track record with over 2000 closes. So just really get over that hurdle of, I should have heard of this by now. But until you hear somebody put it in a simple way that speaks to what you're doing, uh, you probably haven't. So uh, just get to know us and take your time um, making a decision.
1: Yeah, just get educated and learn more.
0: Correct. Are there any minimums and maximums for this plan? Great question. So. uh, For every $100,000 in tax liability, Sean, so let's just say your deal was only $20,000 in tax liability. We'd say just pay it, that's too small. But for every $100,000 in liability, you need about $500,000 in proceeds, right? So if you're selling a $10 million deal and you only have $100,000 in tax liability, we'd say just pay the tax and walk away with your 9.9. But if you have a $10 million deal and you have $3 million in liability, wow, that's significant, that's 30% of the total. Let's defer all that $3 million instead of having seven. So, um, minimum is $100,000 in liability, minimum is $500,000 in proceeds, and then look at the ratios to make sure they make sense. I'm glad I asked
1: that question. It is a big number. So, I mean, do you ever have flippers who decide to do this with you guys, or is it mostly for people who do large, large, large projects? Like you said, you need like a
0: $500,000. Profit to make it worth it. Yeah, you know, so that hundred thousand dollar liability could be multiple properties So yes, we do have those who, who who do flips who 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 we can look at their circumstances and how many they're doing per year The neat part about it Sean is there's one there's one deferred sales trust and you can have multiple notes Alright, so let's say you had five properties and one selling today one selling a year from now one selling a year and a half from now every time there's just a new note that goes into the trust and that's a new schedule for that. So yes, if they're doing a high enough volume, if they have enough tax liability and have enough proceeds, you can roll it into the trust. The one, the one strategy I would, you know, at a certain point the music stops for the guy who's doing the, the flips, right? And that's the part where you don't want to be caught, you know, without a chair. So this is the Deferred Sales Trust, you can take some of your chips off the table, roll them into the trust, one property at a time, and I think right now is a great time to do it because the market is so hot, and then wait, you know, get out of real estate for a little while. And you may be, by the way, you're also pulling all your money together too. we work with people who have 25 properties, you know, worth between 150 and 400,000. And they go, this is impossible. If I wanna do a 1031 exchange, it's a nightmare because no way I'm gonna sell them all at once. And if I am to sell them all at once, I'm probably gonna to have to give a discount to the, to the investor who's buying a pool of these. I wanna sell them to primary homeowners who are gonna pay that 20 to 25% more premium. So we say, exactly. So slowly sell out of each of your deal and move them into the deferred sales trust and pull all your money together. Now you have this pile of money that you can partner on an apartment complex. Let's say 50 units because you were able to get $3 million all pulled together that you partner with you. And then also you have a brand new depreciation schedule. So, so every circumstance is different and we'd love the opportunity to, to walk through uh, any of your listeners who want to learn more. All right. Cool. I think that's all the questions I have for you today.
1: Is there anything else that we should know about the Deferred Sales Trust?
0: Yes, 100%. So, um, thanks. I would say these two things, okay? The first one is for the ultra high net worth individual, okay? Whether you know the person or the listeners here, they have what's called the estate tax or the death tax. And the death tax basically says like, Sean, if you're worth more than $22 million and you're married, anything above that that's inside your taxable estate is going to be hit with a death tax, which is 40%. Okay, so let's just say you're worth $52 million and all of it's inside of your taxable estate. That first 22 million is exempt, but that next 30 million is gonna be hit with a 40% death tax, okay? So the 1031, the stepped up basis, it doesn't fix that, okay? This is huge. The Deferred Sales Trust, we solve that. We can move the funds outside of the taxable estate as we close the Deferred Sales Trust. So this has huge implications For those who are worth more than 22 million collectively and they're married and or 11 million if you're single nothing else that we're aware of can do what we do okay on that on that scale so the to the estate tax and then if you're a real estate broker if you're a luxury you know a a high-end realtor if you're a business broker or financial advisor listening to the show how are you differentiating yourself from your competition how are you helping these baby boomers uh diversify and get liquid and sell high right now and solve their challenges. If you're just selling the same thing and walking in with the same tools that everyone else is walking in with, with like the 1031 exchange, um, the charitable, or, or other things, you're not differentiating yourself. So we love to empower business professionals, right? Because I am a business professional. I'm a commercial real estate agent. And I was faced at Marcus and Milichap with this exact thing. How do I compete with brokers who have been in the industry for 20 years? Why do they want to hire me versus hiring that person who has so much more experience? The answer is finding solutions to the client's problems. And when you add more value to them, you can actually win the business. So use this as an opportunity to have another arrow in your quiver, right? Another tool, another value add opportunity to help your clients solve these massive problems. And when you do that, you're gonna grow your business and you're gonna separate yourself from your competition. So again, get educated, get empowered by strategies like this. I'm here to support uh, that, that's my passion. I go and I'll speak at big events and I'll, I'll um, educate on this. Um, I'm here to support you. We have a whole turnkey marketing system uh, with personal branding, personal deferred sales trust calculator. By the way, we don't charge for any of it. Okay, a lot of services will come to you say, hey, sign up, I'll get you on the front page of Google for $300 a month. We don't charge anything. We only ever get paid if your client does the deal. So there's no no charge to these business professionals. So come take a look and see if you want to join us. We'd love to, um, to partner with you. Thank you, Brett. And how can people get in contact with you? Yeah, the best way is capitalgainstaxsolutions.com, my website. But you can also look that up on LinkedIn, on Facebook, uh, on YouTube. I have a YouTube channel with videos that I try to release. And the last one is Bigger Pockets, if I didn't mention that one already. Awesome. Everyone's on Bigger Pockets. Yeah, you know, it's a good site, right? Full of uh, some good information.
1: All right, Brett. Well, thank you so much for your time today and sharing your information about the deferred sales trust. I hope people contact you if you have any questions regarding this product. Thanks Sean. Appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. Here are some of the key takeaways from this episode. A deferred sales trust is an alternative to the 1031 exchange and is a great way to have your money working for you. It's really only worth it if you have a large tax liability, something over $100,000. And with the deferred sales trust, you have the flexibility of selling high and buying low. Whereas with a 1031 exchange, you need to identify and purchase something in a relatively short time window. You're also allowed to create a deferred sales trust for a failed 1031 exchange. It's good to have as many options as you can when you sell your property. So do your research and reach out to Brett's group if you think a deferred sales trust is right for you. I hope you all learned a lot. You can find the show notes on our site, everythingrei.com. Thanks and have a great day. This was another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pam. If you enjoy the show, leave us a five-star rating. It'll take less than a second and it'll help a lot. You can contact me at seanpanrealty at gmail.com. That's S-E-A-N-P-A-N-R-E-A-L-T-Y at gmail.com. Thanks and have a great day.